So I guess Chris Short's nonsense question was actually useful. Whew. There's there's a statement I never thought I would mutter. Diz Runs Radio episode 1113 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well then, don't look now, but uh, I guess we've made it-ish. You know, don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. Still got about a day and a half left from the time this episode goes out to the time the ball drops. But for all intents and purposes, I feel like feel like we've made it. You know, 2022, about to be banquished, banquished, banished. There we go. Words it is. About to be banished to the history books. 2023 coming in hot. But before we uh, can drop the ball and sing old lang sign and, I don't know, pop the champagne, let's do a little uh, Q&A, shall we? You know, end of a month, end of a year. Few answers that maybe are useful, a few questions that might be helpful, and uh, probably a smattering of nonsense mixed in there as well. If you're new around these parts, if this is your first Q&A episode, like I mentioned just a second ago, we do this every month. The last Friday of every month is dedicated, carved out specifically for your questions and my answers. Uh, try to be helpful, try to be useful, maybe try to make you smile a little bit along the way. And uh, if you ever want to get yourself a question asked in these Q&A episodes, the best way to do so is to uh, join the Facebook group. Dizruns.com uh, slash Facebook will get you right there. You can also just, you know, on Facebook, search for the Dizruns tribe. And uh, you click to, you know, we, I would like to join. And I'll get around to letting you in after. Sometimes it takes a day or two. But I'll, I'll let you in. And uh, then at that point, it's off to the races, right? There's nonsense. There's tomfoolery. There's memes. There's gifs. As long as you're not a douche. Which is really our only rule. We have a no douche, no douches, no douches, no douche eye. What's the plural of douche? We have a no douche policy in the Facebook group. So uh, if you're a douche, we'll, we'll, we'll show you the door. You know, we'll show you the door out. Um, but if you're not, which I think most of you probably aren't, uh, you know, we'll let you hang around. And uh, hopefully you'll make yourself at home and have some fun with the group and interact a little bit and, and uh, you know, maybe continue to to work towards the goal of making it the best running Facebook group on the on the book of the faces. If you're uh, not a Facebooker, that's not a bad thing. If you're not a Facebooker and you want to get some questions in, feel free to shoot me a message on on Instagram, on Twitter, via email, whatever it is. My only uh, stipulation there, my only uh, what's what's the right word? My my disclaimer is that. You know, sometimes the inboxes can be a bit a bit messy, and uh, sometimes those things can get lost in the shuffle. Versus if they are in the Facebook thread, when I, sorry, back up, in the Facebook group in the middle of the month, I put out a post that says, "Hey, what are your questions?" That's where you put your questions. So if you're in the Facebook group and their questions are there, it's hard for me to lose the question. Sometimes I might ignore the questions, especially some of the ones that Melody asks. But otherwise, you know, the questions are there, easy easy to find, easy to answer. If they, they end up in the in the DMs or in the email inbox, I do my best to make sure that they get included. But stranger things have happened unintentionally, of course, than uh, some questions not getting submitted to, uh, you know, or not making it, making the cut. Not because they weren't quality questions, 
just because they got lost in the shuffle. Anyway, disruns.com slash Facebook get you to the Facebook group or just search for the Disruns tribe. Next time you're scrolling, which you might be doing right now while listening, and uh, bada boom, bada bam, we'll have you in. Welcome you with open arms, whether it's la- this year, next year, last year, whatever the case might be, the more, the merrier, as long as you're not a douche. Anyway, this month, we've got some questions. Speaking of Melody, we've got some questions. Thanks to Melody and her evil partner in crime, Chris. Um, I think they asked a couple of decent questions. Then they asked some, some tomfoolery as well. We'll get to those in a minute. We got a whole host of questions today. So who knows? Who know, you know, you might be listening to this until the ball drops. Who knows how long this is going to take. But uh, the only way to get to the finish is to get it started. So let's, let's rock and roll. First question from David. As a fellow self-diagnosed introvert, what is your social battery limit by the time it's Christmas evening? Between my wife's family and mine, we go to between three to four houses in a 24-hour period. By the time it's Christmas afternoon, I feel almost clocked out. I've been doing this for seven years now and still haven't figured out a regimen to not feel completely drained by the end. Any tips? Bless you, David. I I can't offer much here. Uh, yes, I am I am an introvert's introvert. Sounds like we're two peas not in the same pod because any good introvert doesn't share his pod with any other peas. But... Um, Man, I don't know how you do that. Like, I would, I would be, it would be a mess. It would be a hot freaking mess. Like, like I would have to to go to like at, at some point. Like, if we were going boom, boom, boom to between different family members and this and that and the other all in the same day, like on Christmas Day. Man, I'd ha- I'd have to like drop Rebecca and Addison off and then be like, I'm gonna go for a little while. Like, I don't know where I'm gonna go. You know, like like. If it's, if it's decent enough, maybe I'm going to go for a run. Maybe I'm going to go get a coffee. Like, I, I don't know, but like, maybe I'm just going to sit in the car. Like, like I, I just can't, I, I couldn't, I would have to recharge mid midway through, but thankfully for, for me, unfortunately for you, David, I am not in that type of situation. Um, we've, we've never lived like I'm, you know, my, all of my family is in Michigan. All of my wife's family is, well, I guess not all of them anymore because her brother lives in Georgia and we live in Georgia now as well, but her parents are in, are in, um, Florida and extended families all in Florida. So we've never had like this ping pong of, you know, families to do different, different celebrations on the same day situations, what I'm talking about. And I know plenty of, of folks have plenty of folks from my, from my hometown who grew up, you know, they, like both their grandparents lived on the, you know, across town from each other. So it was like family Christmas in the morning at their house. And then one, one grandparents for uh, lunch and the other grandparents for dinner. And like, it's a whole day. And like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Um, I mean, I, I feel like, so I guess my tip for you, uh, because for, for me, it's all just like, like one day. And I might have, you know, like, like when, when we had the in-laws here for, for Christmas, um, you know, it's like, it was a lot for two days and it was everybody in the house, but like, I could go for a run. Like I could, I could try to disappear a little bit. Didn't get to disappear very much. And I was wrecked by the end of it. And uh, thankfully I've got a wife that's like, when everybody leaves like that, that next day, it's pretty much like, I don't have to talk to anybody. She doesn't even like try to talk to me that much. Like we'll talk a little bit, but like, she's like, yeah, like she knows I'm going to need some time to decompress. Right. So I guess, I guess what I would, what I would try to suggest in your situation is to to maybe try to 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 not stack them right on top of each other if you can help it you know like is there a chance to to take a little break in between you know house three and four like like can you even if it's something just just chivalrous um and and you know like your your wife you might you, I'm sure she recognizes that you're wrecked after the day so maybe maybe y'all can be on the same page and like you know if if you're supposed to bring you know whatever you're supposed to bring a pie 
to the, the last house of the night, right? Um, maybe, maybe there's a way that instead of like getting it and bringing it with you to the th- second and third house, like you can run to the store, um, by yourself before you're ready to leave, you know, the one house to go to the last house and you're going to bring this pot, like run to the store. And I know it's Christmas day. So maybe that doesn't, maybe you leave it at home, right? Like, like I don't know, but are there, are you, you go to get gas cause the gas stations are at least open or like what kind of little things can you do throughout the day, uh, to give yourself a break? You know, can you take the dogs for a walk? If you're, if you're at the in-laws house and it's disgusting out, like, can you volunteer to take the dog for a walk? Can you volunteer to shovel the snow? You know, like, like some of those types of things that, that look very chivalrous and, and they are, but they're also self-serving for us introverts. Cause it gives us a chance to get away from the chaos, right? Like I used to, I used to walk dogs, um, when we would be at, at my in-laws house with, when we had our, our old dog and my, my brother-in-law had his dog. And like, it was chaos in the house with the dogs and, and people running around. And so I'd just be like, well, I'm just going to go take the dogs for a walk. And I'd go for like 45 minutes and like their neighborhood was small, but like, I would just go and we would just walk and like the dogs came back tired. And so they were relaxed. I came back somewhat refreshed and you know, like it was, it was, it was a win for everybody. Everybody else in the house got a chance to have, be in there without the, with the dogs not being there. So, you know, are there things that you can do errands you can run chores you can do, um, that maybe sort of doesn't look bad. Doesn't look like you're trying to get away from everybody, but secretly you're kind of trying to get away from everybody because that's what you need to do. Um, but yeah, if, if not, maybe you can have, you know, boxing day as your day where, where the wife can take the kids somewhere or even just for a couple hours, they can go to a movie, you know, they can, they can go back to, to grandma's house and, and do whatever. Um, and you can just recharge a little bit, but it's, it's tough. The holidays as an introvert, like they're great, but they're also terrible. Um, I mean, they're not terrible, but they're a lot. They're a lot for anybody, but for an introvert, whoo, they're a lot. So my, my, uh, I understand your pain, David. Although, like I said, I think yours is a little bit more amplified than mine because you've got it all in, in all the places, all the people in one day, whereas I've got a few days, solid days, but they're at least spread out a little bit, which maybe makes it easier. I don't know. I don't know. But one way or the other, hope you all had a good Christmas, my friend. Hope it wasn't too cold up in where you're South Dakota, right? You're not North Dakota. You're, South, you're one of the Dakotas, uh, but uh, appreciate your question, my friend. Uh, next from Jason Dennis, the man with two first names, got a question about hills, our favorite things to run up. I don't know anybody whose favorite thing is to run up a hill, Jason, but uh, whatever. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll allow your little uh, joke to, to, to fly. We'll allow it to fly. I have a planned marathon in Vegas in mid-January on blacktop amidst canyons with 3,000-plus feet of elevation gain on the race route. Uh, Denny, you should run it too. Yeah, I mean, you know, sounds sounds fun. You know, just uh, that whole traveling piece is a problem. Um, I've done a few hill runs or repeats lately, but not a lot. Is it too late to do some hill training that will do me any good? Note, I'm not trying to PR, but I do want to run up, you know, some of those those canyon roads. Um, you know, Jason, I you like... I don't think it's too late to do any hill training. I'm not, I'm not convinced that it's ever too late to do any hill training. Not so much from a physiological sense. Like, like you could still get some benefit from running the hills now. But I think mentally, you know, if you can, if you can find a hillier route, um, and, and not even like sprinting, you know, doing hill repeats. Like I don't think hill repeats have a, have a purpose, right? There's a, there's a time and a place for hill repeats, absolutely. But in terms of training for a, a hilly marathon, like, I don't think hammering it up a hill for 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes, like, really does you that much. Because how does that really relate to running a marathon, right? Like, I think if you can find some rolling hills somewhere or, or even just the same hill, 
but you you incorporate into your long run and run up and down it a few times. But and and the key there is run up and down, because if you got some canyons, I'm I'm assuming that your race isn't just all uphill; it's also the downhill. And I think I think there's a, a certain level of repetition that that is helpful again mentally as much as anything of running some of the ups, running some of the downs, being comfortable with that, and not psyching yourself out of like, oh god, here comes another hill. Um, and then also like the downhill. I mean, I think if you can if you can be comfortable running downhills, that's a game changer for a hilly course because so many people fight gravity and they they run with the brakes on and that's what that's what trashes your quads. Like you're, your quads are going to get get a little bit beat up running downhill anyway, but if you can lean into the hill um, and really embrace gravity and just kind of float down the hill, your quads won't get beat up that bad. But if you're if you're fighting every step and trying to keep the brakes on and trying to keep your pace right at whatever pace. Um, that's when your, your quads get trashed and then your SOL on the later stages of the race. So I think if you can, if you can incorporate some Hills into your running again, at, at easy run pace at long run pace, um, running up and down, I think that it can help you a little bit physically, but I think the big key is helping you mentally and help you not psych yourself out about the Hills, which I mean, I'm not trying to diagnose or anything, not trying to, to play psychoanalyst, but it kind of sounds like you're already a little bit psyched out about the Hills. Right, like like the hills are not fun. Like nobody enjoys them, but if they defeat you before you get started, it's kind of like the humidity. Like it's a factor. Heat and humidity sucks. But if you if you're defeated, like oh god, this is going to be terrible before I even get started. Well, guess what? Yeah, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible because it's hilly before you get started. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. If you're like, all right, you know, it's going to be hilly. All right, let's rock and roll. Um, and you've and you've practiced a little bit of hill running. You got a fighting chance to still run a good race, um, and and not let the hills get to you too much. Hopefully. So that's my thought. Yeah, de- get some hill training in, but not the repeats, but like run them and see see how that goes and see if that doesn't help you. Be a little more confident heading to the desert next month. Good luck at your race, my friend. Uh, next from Thessaly. First, I have to say thank you for building such a great community of runners around you. The Diz Runs Tribe wouldn't exist without you and your coaching podcast, emails, etc. So if I can be as bold as to thank you on behalf of the group, thank you. Well, thank you, Miss Thessaly, and thank you for being the willing butt of every treadmill joke that I make around here. I appreciate you, Miss Thessaly. All right, now for my actual question. How do you personally navigate race anxiety, especially when you have time goals? What about the athletes that you coach? What do you advise them to do? Huh, I've, I've been thinking about this, and I've been stewing on this one a little bit, Thessaly, trying to come up with a, with a useful answer for you. But from, from me personally, um, I mean, I don't... I, I hate to just be dismissive of the question, but like I couldn't tell you really the last time that I was like nervous or anxious heading into a race. Like I think that's just my my uh, maybe not just I think that's a big part of my B minus personality. And of course, there's there's times that that I wish I was a little bit more Type A. Um, but going into a race, I'm like, eh, you know, the race is going to be what it's going to be. I've got my goals, I got my plans. We're gonna we're gonna give it give it my best effort and see what happens. And Sometimes it goes really well. Sometimes it blows up a little bit. Um, but you know, like, like it, at least that, that kind of mindset is useful in the days leading up to the race. Cause I'm not real, like everything's done, right? Like I, I've done the training, the race is coming. The weather's going to be what it's going to be. Like, like in my, in my brain, I can totally see how people get anxious about all those things, right? Like I'm not trying to be dismissive of that, but in my brain, there's nothing to be anxious about. Like everything that's done is done. There's it's all out of my control. So, all right, let's go. 
and 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 again, that's not being dismissive. That's just like I thankfully don't really have any issues with anxiety, nerves, uh, you know, that type of thing leading up to a race. Now, also admittedly, and maybe part of the story, you know, I haven't really like run a, a massive goal race in a while. I mean, I ran I ran the half at the beginning of 2022 in, in celebration um, with the goal of, of PR. And so that one like was, was, you know, a race that I was actually trying to hammer and, and race hard. Um, but I don't remember feeling nervous or anxious or anything about it. Um, I just, you know, trusted my training and, and got out and went after it. Now, if, if slash when I get to the point where it's like, all right, I think this might be the BQ race. I could see, I could see some nerves and anxiety creeping in. Um, but I like to think that, that, that personality of just like, eh, it is, it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. Um, will hopefully keep me from going too, too extreme on the nerves and anxiety scale. Uh, in terms of, of those that I coach, what do I advise them to do? Um, you know, obviously, you know, and, and, you know, spoiler alert, you know, get your, get your drinks ready. Like it, you know, it's a, it's a, it depends type of scenario. It depends on, on the individual, uh, what, what they need. Um, if the training has gone really, really well and, and, you know, they've gotten all the runs in and the, the workouts have looked good, then it's, then I, I tend to kind of lean into like, Hey, trust, you know, like you've done the work, like, we, we know that you're going to, that, that you've got the fitness there. Um, race day can be funny. You know, race day can be, a, it's, it's a data point. It can be an outlier. So like, don't put too much pressure on it or don't freak out if it doesn't go well, it should go well, but you know, and, and try to try to remind them of the work that they've done. Um, if, if they, the training didn't go as well, then again, it, you know, it's going to vary from person to person. But you might be able to have the conversation that's like, look, you know, train hasn't been what it's been. So this is kind of a free shot, right? Like, like you can go for it. And if it doesn't go well, well, you know, we kind of know why, right? Training's been hit and miss. Life's been a little bit crazy. Like, like, yeah, you know, we kind of, we kind of would expect it to not go well, but that can also, and again, it, it, the, you can only kind of have this conversation with the right person and in and, and the right mindset and helps when I have a, a longer relationship with somebody, I know them well enough to know if I can have this conversation or not. But if you can say, Hey, you know, training hasn't gone well, let's, let's roll the dice, see what happens. Sometimes that can really take the pressure off. Cause you're like, yeah, like training has been a shit show. Right. And like, I, I probably shouldn't have a great race. So then you have no expectations. You just go into it to run, to have fun, dot, dot, dot. Sometimes not all the time, but sometimes that can, that can be just what you need to just help somebody relax, take the pressure off, get rid of all the, the anxiousness and the nerves and the, and, and all the butterflies. And they just go out and run and, and throw down. Um, so, so sometimes that works. Uh, sometimes it's giving people a plan and having a more detailed plan than, than I might typically go with. Uh, but like, you know, and I'm not going to break it down mile to mile, but it's like, you know, at this, at this chunk, at this chunk, uh, but have giving them a plan to focus on, giving them a plan to think about, especially those that, that are more, more into like the, some of the visualization and like, you know, looking through the, the route, maybe they've run the race before so they can see kind of the route in their head. And it's like, all right, well, you know where the 5k mark is. So I want you to be at this time. So kind of, you know, you're able to start thinking about, all right, I want to be at 25 minutes at the first 5k or 32 minutes or whatever, whatever paces we're going for. And then when you get to the 10k mark, I want you to be at, at an hour, you know, our goal is to be at an hour. Um, so they're able to kind of, you know, channel some of that anxiety towards visualization and that can help them to relax a little bit. Um, but, but I just think, you know, like dealing with nerves, dealing with, with anxiety, things like that, when it comes to race, race, anxiety and race goals and things like that. 
Um, I also, you know, I, it's, it's, everybody's going to have to kind of figure out the exact perfect blend that works for them. Obviously as a coach, I try to help that out, help that out. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, some of the folks I've been working with for three, four five years, like I kind of know which buttons to push, which buttons to avoid. Um, so we, you know, kind of on the same page on that. Some of the, the folks I'm newer with, I, I kind of keep it a little bit more simple, um, or a little more vague because I don't know exactly what works, what doesn't. Um, but then, then, you know, sometimes I think that the, the biggest thing, um, is just to remind everybody that, that we're doing this for fun, right? Like, like, no, you know, love you, Thessaly. I don't think this is, this is speaking out of turn. You're not, you're not making your livelihood based on your race day performance, right? And that's not to say that, that I don't think your goals matter and that, that your goals shouldn't be important to you because they absolutely should be. But at the end of the day, the important thing is that you have fun and, and enjoy your time out there. And sometimes, and again, depends if this works for some folks or not, but like reminded, reminded folks that like, all right, so your goal is to run this marathon and let's say, you know, break in four hours, right? Like you're really hoping to, to break four. You've got the fitness to break four. The workouts are, sh- are showing that it's possible, but like really, really, what is the difference? How is your life going to change at, you know, the races on Sunday? How is your life going to be different on Monday morning if you run a 357 or a 408? Like really? And again, this doesn't work for everybody. Trying to give you a bunch of different options to kind of maybe see if one might click with you. But there's not too many folks that I work with, aka there's not anybody that I work with whose life is going to be dramatically different if they hit their goal by a minute and a half or if they miss their goal by a minute and a half. Like they're still going to get up and go to work. They're still going to hug their kids and their spouse and their partners and things like, like all that stuff is still going to be the same. And again, that's not to diminish the goal. We're still aiming for that four hour marathon or whatever the goal might be. We're still setting the plan up to, to come in at 355 and have a comfortable pace, comfortable buffer in terms of, you know, if things fall apart a little bit, you can still hold on and still, you know, stagger across at 358. But when you remember that, that life's not really going to change your significant others, your family, they're still going to love you. Your kids are still going to love you. Your dog is certainly still going to love you, whether you're 407 or, or 352. Sometimes that can take the pressure off too. So it's finding, finding that pressure relief release valve for each person, um, I think is key. And that's where, you know, you got to kind of know what, what helps with you and, and maybe other aspects of your life and see if you can't channel some of those into, you know, pre-race anxiety, pre-race, uh, nerves, um, to help you just relax, hopefully have a good time. And, so, and, you know, funny thing about that is if you can relax and have a good time, that tends to help tilt the odds of a, of a positive race result in your favor. So good luck with that, Thessaly. Hopefully uh, not too anxious, not too nervous about whatever the next race is on your calendar. Uh, Another question from Jason Dennis. Apparently he feels like since he's got two first names, he can get two questions in, but not put them back to back. Interesting strategy. We'll allow it. Next question. Did you think it could get this cold in Georgia when you moved here? Wind chill is going to be in single digits leading up to Christmas. Real question, what's the coldest weather you ever run in, and is there a cutoff when you won't run outside? So, I, I mean, no. You know, I didn't think we would have temperatures in the single digits. Like, I didn't think that was going to be a thing. Um, but, like, I also, you know, recognize that I, – I don't recognize. I assume that this isn't going to be an annual occurrence, right? Like, it was it was cold AF in, in Florida. I mean, not quite to single digits temperatures, but, like, you know, there are freeze advisories and things like that down in down where we used to live in Lakeland. And like, that wasn't a regular occurrence. So like, 
you know, it's it's whatever. It's it's climate change. It's a fluke. It's whatever. However you want to look at it, it is it is what it is. Like it's a funky funky week of weather. Um, and yeah, it got cold. Um, but you know, like I'm assuming that it probably won't be a case of, of the same next year. Um, we had a pipe freeze, thankfully not burst. We caught it in time. Um, and got it thawed back out. So, you know, we, we dodged that bullet, but, um, hopefully this isn't an annual thing, but if it is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out what we got to do to make sure the pipes aren't freezing and, and, you know, whatever. Um, as to your real question, what's the coldest weather you've ever run in? And is there a cutoff when you won't run outside? You know, the coldest weather I've ever run in, if it, it depends on how you want, like, like before I was a runner or after I was a runner. So like, since I got into running, like this week was the coldest I've ever run in, like clearly. Uh, but I, I ran a little bit bits and bobs in, in Michigan. So like I ran in days when it was 20 degrees, like, you know, before in the before times. Um, but I mean, I guess I ran in days when it was 20 degrees here this week. So, so probably this was, this week was the coldest it's ever been that I've like certainly run outside in, um, just because I didn't run that much when I was growing up in Michigan. So, um, I've, I've played hockey in much colder weather, <laughs> much colder weather, uh, than, than what I ran in this week. Um, but you know, is, is there a temperature that, that I would not run outside in or a cutoff? I, I mean, I guess because I skipped the run, I skipped the run on Christmas Eve. Um, I woke up planning to go out. I think the temperature was, was 15, 16 degrees. I was like, yeah, I can work with that. And then I looked at the, the feels like, and the wind chill. And it was like one. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have the gear for that type of weather. I have the upper body stuff, uh, my, my, my lower body, uh, running pants and, and tights or whatever you want to call it that I bought this year kind of for the winter. Um, they're, they're, they don't provide that much insulation, especially they don't do anything against the wind. And so I was just like, you know what? Like I, I would run in that weather if maybe if there was something I was training for something I felt like I needed to be to, to really, you know, something that I had to put a cherry on top of. Um, but I just decided I'd take the dog for a walk. And that was like, we cut, we cut that short cause of that wind. Um, and I got on the bike and did some strength workouts later that day and like, yeah, good enough. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that that's a cutoff that I absolutely won't run, but on that day, on, on Christmas Eve at six o'clock in the morning, I was not willing to go out and run in that temperature. And I, and I've no, in, in, in largest part because of the wind, if it was, if it was 10 degrees and no wind, I would have probably gone. Uh, but I, I don't like the wind. I don't like the wind chill. Um, no, thanks. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's not like a hard cutoff, but there's, there's a sliding scale based largely on the wind chill. Um, and if the wind is whipping, you know, it's like 20 miles an hour winds, 18 mile an hour winds. It's like, yeah, no, that sounds miserable. And I don't feel like being miserable today. Uh, so I didn't. So, you know, Lynn, you might call me a, a, a wuss and, and Lesterberg might call me a wuss. Um, but that's fine. That's fine. I'll take, I'll take the heat and humidity over that nonsense any day of the week twice on Sunday, but thanks for the questions, Jason. All right. Now we got a couple from, from Michaela. Then we'll get into some of the melody questions. Um, and I got to pick this up a little bit, or this is going to, this really is going to be a 47 hour episode. So first question from Michaela, when you were getting started with coaching, podcasting, etc., did you ever fight imposter syndrome? Girlfriend, I'm still fighting imposter syndrome. Uh, and if, and if you, those of you that aren't, aren't aware, I'm not sure the exact definition of imposter syndrome, but it's basically something where you got to look at what other people are doing and, and kind of discredit discredit the work you're doing and, and feel like everybody else has got their, their shit together and you don't. Um, and I, I do that all the time. Um, still certainly did at the beginning, certainly do now. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, I think it's part of being human. 
right? And, and, and social media certainly doesn't help. You see people doing stuff on social media and, and you don't know what they're telling the truth about and what they're lying and what they're inflating and what's, what's this and that and the other. Um, but everything just kind of makes it, makes me feel a lot of times like I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. Um, but thankfully I don't ruminate on it too much too often. Um, I kind of recognize it at this point and just kind of move on like, eh, you know, whatever kudos to so-and-so that's, that's killing it with their podcast or whatever. Um, because focusing on, focusing on that too much on, on their success and my relative quote unquote failure doesn't help me move the needle, right? Doesn't help me grow to get to that point where maybe I could see it as success. Spoiler alert. I probably wouldn't still because human and you know, there's always somebody that's that you're striving towards, right? There's always somebody that, that seems externally like they're having more success than you. Um, and again, you, you can count this as business stuff. You can count this as, as you're running, um, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I still deal with imposter syndrome all the time, but thankfully it's something that, um, doesn't, doesn't fester as much as it used to. Next from Michaela, if you could go back and tell starting out Diz anything, what would it be as far as coaching and podcasting and things like that? The business side of life. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know what I would tell myself to, to, to try to, well, I do know. Um, if I were to go back, you know, to, to eight years ago, nine years ago, when I was starting this, this, um, self-employment venture, whatever it is, um, I think I would have told myself to, to, I don't know. I, I hate to say it like this, but I think I would have told myself to go all in on YouTube versus on the podcast. Um, and the podcast has been great and I've loved the podcast and I'm going to keep, keep podcasting. Um, but kind of looking at it now and maybe it's, it's grass is greener, you know, maybe it's imposter syndrome. Um, but I feel like YouTube probably would have been better. Um, I don't know. And there's a lot of layers to that and I don't necessarily want to unpack them all, but you know, that is one of the reasons that I'm going to be a little bit more on YouTube, a lot more on YouTube next year. Uh, why I've been a little bit more on YouTube the last three or four months. Um, you know, like I wish I, I, and I don't think it's too late to start on YouTube. I don't think it's too late to start on podcasting or blogging. I don't think it's too late to start on anything. It's too late to start running, whatever. Um, but I think if I would have, if I would have been consistent on YouTube, maybe at the cost of not doing the podcast or not doing as many episodes at, at, at various times, you know, for a while there, I was three times a week on the podcast. Like if I would have maybe just, just been one day a week from the beginning on the podcast and one day a week on the, on the YouTubes. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder what, how things would look differently now. Um, and there's no way of knowing, but I think if I could go back and tell myself, you know, eight years ago, nine years ago, Hey, you, you're thinking about dabbling in this podcast thing. Um, go for it, but maybe also go for YouTube but there are reasons I didn't. So, so who knows? Um, but you know, I think I've been pretty good at staying the course. I think I've been pretty good at, at, um, stumbling my way through the, the, this process. Um, I'm sure there's other things that I would, I would have loved to have known back then, you know, don't buy this and don't, don't do this, invest in this, don't invest in that. Um, but you know, those are, those are just lessons you'll learn along the way. And sometimes they're costlier than others, but, uh, you, you keep on keeping on. So I think, I think, going, going heavier on YouTube from the beginning would have been with something I would have done differently. Uh, for sure. Last question for right now from Michaela. Is it too early to eat a cream egg girl? It's never a good time to eat a cream egg. Get out of here with your nonsense. Seriously. Next question from Melody. 
On average, how many hours of sleep do you get per night? Do you have a goal for hours slept? Remembering that the sleep post you made a year ago, I was wondering if there's a basic number for good sleep or if there's a different number for each person. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 no sleep expert out there that's going to tell you that everybody needs exactly, you know, seven hours, eight hours, nine, like whatever. Like we all have our different different needs. Um, on average, I guess, according to my aura ring, I'm getting somewhere between seven and seven and a half hours most nights, um, which is pretty good, but I probably could do a little bit more. I, I think, I really do think, um, and I think I've said this before, that like sleep is the most important thing that no one values, myself included. And even when we value, it's, it's the most important thing that we undervalue, right? Like, like there's always, there's always things to do and we'll just sacrifice sleep about it. You know, it's, and it's, and it's seldom anything useful, right? It's I'm going to dick around on my phone. I'm going to read this book, which reading a book, nothing wrong with reading a book, but like, you know, re- read a chapter and go to bed. Don't read for three hours, you know, um, like, like I'm going to watch this TV show. I'm going to do some extra work, uh, you know, whatever. I'm going to get up early to get my workouts in because, because I don't have any time, any time throughout the day. Um, so I'm going to sacrifice sleep on that end. And I just, I just think that, that sleep is so good for our bodies. It's so necessary mentally, physically, psychologically, uh, balancing out hormones. Like there's so like every, like we think of all the things we do when we're, when we're up, right. We're working, we're working out, we're running, we're, we're taking care of Like we're doing all the things like what your body does while you're sleeping, like puts, puts our action to shame. I think, you know, just from a cellular level, all the repair work, all the things that get done. And I mean, if, if, if you're skimping on sleep, um, if you're waking up still tired, that means you're skimping on sleep, whether you're getting six hours or 10 hours, if you're waking up tired every single day, either your sleep quality is poor or you're not getting as much sleep as you need. And so, so yeah, I mean, I think that, that I, I would like to get a little bit more, um, I just don't make it happen. I get, I get too sucked into my phone and it's like, oh, it's eight 30. I should probably wind down and get ready for bed. And the next thing I know it's nine 30. It's like, oh hell, like there we, there we go. Like lost, lost another hour there. Um, so, so yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to be in the eight range more often, maybe even eight and a half. Um, cause I think, I think I would feel better. I think my mind would be sharper. Um, I think my runs would be better. I think my heart rate would be lower, but I just don't make it happen very often. And, and, you know, do as I say, not as I do, right? The story of my life. I think this is important, but I don't do it. And getting it more sleep is, is one of those things. Though I am thankful that I'm not, you know, burning, burning the midnight oil every night. Like I maybe used to at, at six hours of sleep, you know? So like, like at some point there's a little bit of, of, um, you know, I, I need to at least accept that I'm, I, I, I could be doing worse and I have done worse. And so maybe, maybe, you know. Sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you gotta accept that what you're doing is, is okay. Even if it could be better, which maybe there's a little bit of imposter syndrome in there as well. Uh, next from, uh, the other half of the Dow short residence, Chris asks, how did the goals for this year work out? Any surprises, good or bad? Ha! The goals, the goals blew up, uh, m- multiple, multiple phases of goals, just going the way of the dodo. Um, most of the running goals went sideways when my foot thing became a thing. Um, and you know, I didn't run for two months or whatever it was, two and a half months. And so all the mileage goals and things like that really went sideways there. Um, the move and, and that kind of threw all the business goals sideways. And that like, all of a sudden I was focused on getting ready for the move and, and 
finding where we were going to move and selling the house and cleaning up the house and packing and moving and this and that and the other. And like, so then it was just kind of like, let's keep, keep the head above the water. Right. Um, both, both on the running side and on the, the working side and on the family side. And like, like we got through that, um, and kind of settled back in, but by that point, the goals were kind of, kind of gone. So, uh, quite honestly, you know, and I, I talk about goals every year. Um, this is probably the worst year I've had in the last three or four in terms of goals, all things considered running goals, life goals, family goals, etc. Like I didn't hit the mark on very much. I think the only thing that I hit the mark on for my original goals is my strength training. Like I was able to maintain that for the most part. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I'm surprised, but when I look back on it, like it was, it was, it was life stuff, right? Life happens. Life happened to me this year, injured, unexpected move that, that came together in like two months. So like, it wasn't even like we plan on it then for a year and a half. Like, no, it was like, you know, whatever, April 1st. And then like, we listed the house on June 1st. Um, and I already knew where we were going to move and we're looking at, you know, like it was, it was a whirlwind. Um, and that, that threw things, that threw things sideways. And then, you know, just the, the saga of getting the house, the, getting the new house and selling the old house. Um, I am, I am beyond ready for a reset. I am beyond ready for new year, new goals. Uh, I can't wait to, to, to get into those very soon. Very soon. Speaking of which, next question from Ellie, what are your goals for next year? If you plan to have a post about it, then skip this question. Yeah, stay tuned. Next week, we'll talk about my goals for the year. Uh, I'll put them out there for some accountability um, because that typically does help a little bit. Um, but yeah, goals are still percolating, but I've got, I've got some ideas and I'm excited. Next, back from Chris. Did you deck the halls with boughs of holly? No. Follow-up. Follow-la-la-la-la-la-la. Yeah, you and your follow-ups. Get out of here. Next, from Melody. Whatever happened to your second book? Did I miss it? Did I end up? Did it end up being a supplement somewhere? I, I'm not sure if this is a real question or if Melody's trolling me. Um, whatever happened to your second book? Yeah, it, 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 it kind of blew up when the house was going to move or when, when we did decide to move. Um, so that, that is another thing that I'm looking forward to getting back on track with this year, making it, or I'm sorry, the new year in 2023. Um, you know, it's still, it's still in, in very, very rough form. Um, like not even any chapters are finished, like bits and starts and this and that and the other. Um, I just got so thrown off track. It didn't make it back on my radar this year. Um, so you didn't miss anything. It's not a supplement anywhere. Like it's not, nope, nope, just lazy slash disorganized slash something had to give. And that was something that was giveable at the time. So we'll get back to it. Um, and hopefully, you know, I, and I, and I've said this the last couple of years, hopefully this will be the year, hopefully 2023 will be the year that even if it doesn't get finished, that there's massive progress and will be a, a clear kind of timeline, uh, going forward, uh, where it's like, yeah, you know, we're, we're, th- we're at this point and there's progress and it's tangible and, and it's, going to be a thing. Cause it's still going to be a thing. I think, I mean, I still want it to be a thing. I just need to do the work to make it a thing. Um, and trying to put that back on, uh, higher up on the priority list in 2023, Chris short, follow up to the follow up. What is a bow? Like a bow? What is a bow of Holly? I mean, I don't know what is it like a, like a bigger than a sprig. Is it like a, a double sprig, you know, a branch? I don't know. Probably one of those old English words that like, we don't know what it means. We just say it kind of like all of Shakespeare. Um, I don't know. I don't care. Holly is, Holly is, 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 um, a parasite, right? Isn't Holly a, a parasitic plant? Um, or is that mistletoe or is it both? I don't know. 
I don't do either. So there's that. Next, from Melody. Another one from Melody. Surprise, surprise. We watch a Christmas story every year. Is there a Christmas movie Christmas movie that you and the family watch every year as well? Uh, for us, it's Home Alone. We definitely watch Home Alone every year. Uh, that's kind of our setting up the Christmas tree uh, movie that, that gets put on when we're decorating the Christmas tree. Um, Rebecca and I usually find time to watch Christmas Vacation, but that hasn't happened this year. Um, whatever. Move on. Life goes on. Um, although maybe there's still a couple days left. Maybe it'll happen before, before, you know, it disappears from streaming until next year. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah, home alone is definitely our, our, our family movie, uh, that gets watched every year for sure. Also for melody. Do you think you'd come to PA for the next world cup? Probably not. Probably not. Um, it'd be too, too, too pandemonium, too much chaos. Um, although when it comes to world cups, Something that, that has been on my radar or something I think would be really fun. Um, not going to probably happen in 2026, but I think it would be really fun. Would be to go to Europe during the World Cup. When the World Cup is not happening necessarily in Europe. Or at least, you know, if it's in, if it's in Spain and Portugal, then you kind of avoid, avoid where the, the games actually are. Um, but, like, take the train around to different places and, like, you know, if if Germany's playing in a match, then you go to whatever to Berlin to where the the viewing party is, and you just go to Berlin and watch the match, right? And then tomorrow there's a big match with Italy, so you jump on the train and you go to go to Rome to watch watch the match with the Italian fans. Um, and you know, then there's there's a an Austrian match, so you go to Austria, like like just bouncing around to where you know like the big watch parties are in some of the big cities where there's a couple thousand people, and they're just you know they're they're there for their team and they're ha- hanging on every moment. And kind of just, just like you become a fan for that country's team for that day, um, unless they're playing the U.S., in which case that would also be fun to show up, you know, with, with, as a U.S. fan in this big mass of German fans or, or whatever fans. Um, I think that would be fun. Um, at least I usually think that be, would be fun. I don't know that I think that would be fun anymore, um, but I would, I would take that over going to the actual World Cup for sure. Um, just because lower stress, lower stakes, easier to move around. And, and and especially with like in Europe with the train system, um, you know, you go to bed in one country, wake up in the next a couple hours later. Like that sounds that sounds like it would be interesting. But um, you know, with the World Cup coming to the U.S. and Canada and Mexico in in twenty 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 six, um, I'll just watch it on TV more than likely. Another question from Melody. Maybe the last question from Melody. Finally, love you, Melody. Do you have a favorite football player slash team? Uh, like not really. Um, I guess if I had to go with team, I would I would say uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, although I don't have like the ESPN package to watch the Bundesliga anymore, so like I don't even watch the Bundesliga. Um, but like D- Dortmund's kind of been my team um, since like I kind of got into watching world football. That was when they had you know for some of you you hardcore fans that was that was the the early days of of Marco Royce and uh, what's his face that's kind of come and gone. Um, uh, whatever, you know, you know who I'm talking about. I can't think of his name. I can see his face. Um, won the world cup for Germany and plays at PSV Eindhoven or something like that now. Um, but, uh, so, so and, and Jurgen Klopp was the manager, which I, I have a, a, I have a, a bit of a man crush on Jurgen Klopp. So I kind of like Liverpool now, but like, I don't like Liverpool, but I like Klopp. So I like, I'm okay with that. Um, but in terms of like English teams, like I just, I watch every match, um, but I don't really have a team that I root for. There's a few teams I root against. I uh, tend to root against Arsenal. Um, although I kind of want them to, to... 
I want somebody to beat Manchester City, so it's kind of like Arsenal's got the best chance. Um, I don't really dislike City. I just would like to see somebody else win. Um, so it's kind of like every match, I kind of pick who I want to win and, and who I don't. And a lot of times it's the underdogs. Um, sometimes it's it's West Ham. I have a little bit of a, of a spot for West Ham for some reason. Um, liked Wolves for a while. They're, they're not doing so hot this year. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's I'm very... I'm I'm like I'm I'm a neutral in just about every match, um, or at least going into it, and then I'm like I hope it's a good match and I hope this team wins, you know that that type of thing. So don't really have a favorite player, don't really have a favorite team. I just I just watch, I just enjoy the beautiful game for the beauty that it provides, um, and that is enough for me. Next question from Michaela: Flavored candy cane or original peppermint? Um, I mean, I don't like candy canes, but I guess you'd have to go with the flavored, you know, like the blue raspberry or the cherry or something like that. Like the peppermint ones are fine. They're just too much, but maybe that's a good thing. Cause then it's like, you get a little, you get a, you get a couple hits off of it and you're like, yeah, that's good enough. Um, you know, gets you, gets you a little going on and, and yeah, good enough. Um, uh, but I, you know, I haven't had a, I haven't had a candy cane flavored or otherwise in a long time. And I don't, I don't see that streak ending anytime soon next question from Michaela: which mint is best like i'm not sure is this a real question like what what kind of mints are we talking about um andy's mints are top notch um if you're talking about like butter mints hands down the best ones are like those cheap mints that you find at like every wedding reception in like the 80s and 90s um where you like you know it's the multicolored butter mints and you put them on your tongue and they just kind of dissolve into chalky chalky not chocolatey, but like chalky, minty goodness. Um, those are probably the best mints, if I if I really had to say. Um, York peppermint patty is good. I guess I'm like I, I'm more of a of like a. Uh, I mean, I guess I'm a peppermint guy, but like something about candy cane peppermint is not really my thing. Um, Wintergreen spearmint, something like like I like I like a, a wide variety of mints, um, but but not candy cane mint. So. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. Mint chocolate is always going to be a winner for me. York peppermint patties, good. Um, but the, those butter mints that were the one thing that I wanted at, at our wedding, like the only thing I cared about at the wedding, of course they weren't there. Um, those are are always going to be probably my favorite mints. Um, I don't even know if you can get them anymore. Like I mean, I'm sure you probably can, but um, I haven't seen them in a while. But those were always always a winner at family weddings when I was a kid. Next question. Finally, something a little bit different between Michaela and the shorts. We got Brian Walker chiming in from the great right North saying, what are some tips for getting through the Diz runners, new year's fat ass event coming your way on January the 1st. Um, so in case you haven't heard yet, we do a thing on January 1st around here. It's all on the honor system, but basically you run as many five K's as you want one per hour on new year's day. Um, it could be one 5k. You could do two, three, five, ten. 10. Um, nobody has done 24 yet. Somebody I'm sure at some point will, um, I don't know who it's going to be. It's not going to be me, at least not this year. Um, but somebody's going to going to do 24 at some point and that they'll be the, the, the forever winner. Um, even though there's no winners of a fat ass event, that's kind of by definition, but anyway, um, tips to get through it. I think, I think the, the, the biggest tips that I have over the last couple years of doing this is to kind of have a goal, pace yourself, um, and keep it moving in between a little bit. Meaning, so like if you're going to do three or four hours in a row, 
or 10 hours or 12, whatever. But if you're going to do them consecutive, one, you run your 5K, hang out for the next 15, 20, 30 minutes until the next 5K. Um, don't just sit down and let yourself get super stiff. You can get away with that after the first or second one probably, but you start getting into three, four, five, ter- you know, you get into five hours territory. Um, you don't need to be super active, but like, you know, if you sit down for a few minutes after you finish, that's cool. But like, if you get to, you know, if it's, if it's noon, you know, it's getting closer to noon. That's when you're going to head out again. It's 11, 1150, you know, start getting up, start walking around you get a little coffee, uh, use the bathroom, whatever you get those, those legs loosened up again. Um, cause it's going to be a little, a little tough. It starts to get tougher to get going, get started again. Every, every, the longer the day runs on. Um, but also, you know, something that, that I think maybe gets lost in the shuffle somewhere is these don't have to be consecutive, right? So if you're like, I want to do four of them, but you've got all day to do all four. Well, there's nothing that says you can't do a 5k at eight in the morning, another one at noon, another one at three o'clock, another one at seven o'clock, right? Like, like that's totally within the, within the realms of the rules, right? Um, so, so, you know, if you, if you can spread them out and, and do, you know, take an hour off in between, that's not a bad way to pace yourself. Um, but, uh, I think, I think the biggest thing is to have fun, um, you know, and, and just, and just don't take it too seriously. Cause I'm not taking it too seriously. Um, but, but staying loose, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of, of, you know, whatever it helps you to loosen up, but like walking around a little bit before you get going after, after three or four or five of them. Um, might be helpful. Don't worry about your pace. Um, figure out ways to make it interesting for you. So maybe it's a different route every time. Uh, that's helped me before of like when I did, I think I did 10 of them the first year and like, I tried to not run the exact same route, even though I was in my neighborhood. Um, I tried to mix things up a little bit so that every map was a little bit different. You know, they, they all started and stopped at the same spot, but you know, did I go left? Did I go right? Did I turn here? Did I do that? Like try to keep things as, as, make it as interesting as possible to, to try to make it a little bit more tolerable. But as long as you're having fun, that's, that's the name of the game. And if, and if something goes sideways, something starts to, to bother you a little bit, you get a little hitch in your giddy up, just call it a day, right? Like we don't, we don't need to push too much on new year's day for this made up event. Um, and wind up injured as a result. So have fun with it. Uh, but hopefully everybody will be participating. There's some posts in the Facebook group already, and there'll be the official post going live on uh, New Year's Day morning, uh, midnight Eastern time. Of course, if your midnight is earlier, it'll you know just you can still submit your times. It doesn't start at midnight when when my New Year starts. So it's whenever your New Year starts, um, and get yourself get yourself some five Ks uh, to bring in the New Year. Next from Gary Joe, the old uh, Gary Joe hat trick. Although he's trying to be sneaky here and asking a two part question as part of his hat trick without giving himself a penalty. For going overboard. I see what you're doing, Gary Joe. I I, I mean, I, I approve of it. But don't think you're flying under the radar here, my friend. Uh, anyway, first question from Gary Joe. I'm thinking that 2023 is when I finally take the plunge and attempt to join Club 26.2. The Marshall University Marathon is in November, and that's my target. Already have a base of 25 to 30 miles per week. How long of a block should I give for this attempt? The marathon will be about a week after I turn 44. Did I really just type that? Yeah, my friend, you know, age, age is a thing and it just keeps going up for all of us. Um, but you know, I have mixed, I have mixed emotions on this question, Gary Joe. And, and, and here's part of it. I see it as like, just start training now. Like not that you're trying to build up, um, and not that you're trying to, to ramp up yet by any stretch, but like, if you think you're going to do this race in November, like 
then the, 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 the training you're doing now, the base work you're doing now is marathon training. So, so sometimes I, I, I feel like it's, it's, it gets lost in the shuffle of like, all right, well, marathon training doesn't actually start until whatever, 16 weeks out or 20 weeks out. Like, no, if you've got a race on your calendar, that's a year away. I think you're marathon training. Now you're not specifically focused on it, but I think that, I think that, you know, the, the, the block should start now. Um, and maybe, maybe it just looks like something like this. So you got your 25, 30 miles per week that you're typically running. Right. And like, whatever that is, and I don't know, I'm, I'm making up a number here. Let's say, say that your long run is typically 12 of those miles. Um, so maybe, maybe once a month, you just push that, that long run out one mile farther. So January, you know, you, you've been running this 12 mile long run for, for a while. So January, you make one, one long run during the month, 13 miles, February, you make one of them 14. March, one of them 15. Yeah. And you can see where this is going. Not that you need to get it. Like maybe not even get much higher than 15. Um, and maybe you take, you know, do 13 for a couple months and 14 for a couple months. I mean, what, you got, you got flexibility here, but just, just start that, that ramp up mildly, m- minusculely almost, but start it now. And then when you get to, you know, for a November race, maybe you get to June, you start to get a little more serious about it. Maybe July. Um, you know, then, then you're already starting from like, I've touched 15 a few times. Like all I really need to do is add five or six more miles to these couple of these, these long runs and I'll be ready to go. I mean, not that that's all, but like, that's, that's a big part of it. Um, but the earlier you start, the more flexibility you have, the more easy it is to navigate when life happens and you miss a week or, you know, something, something, you know, it's just, it's just chaos or whatever you're sick. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't have a, as much of a tendency to snowball into, Oh shit, what am I going to do? Like I've missed three weeks. Well, like if you miss three weeks out of 16, it's still doable, but that, you know, starts to get a little bit more dicey. You miss three weeks out of eight months, like no factor. Right. So, so I would, I would kind of consider that you started training now. Um, and like the actual focus spot, focus block, you know, 16 weeks, 18 weeks, enough time that, that you've got some wiggle room. Um, that you can ramp up and pull back a little bit. Um, but if you go, if you try to start doing that too intensely now, like it kind of leads to overtraining syndrome. So it's, it's, it is a balance there. Um, but I think if, if you're, if you can kind of just play with just occasionally every, every month, every six weeks, bump up that long run just a little bit, just for the one week, then pull it back down to the 12. Um, that could be a, a nice way to kind of start easing into the waters a little bit until you get serious about it somewhere in, you know, June, July, early August, something like that. Um, and then it's, then it's off to the, I would say it's off to the races. Um, then, then off, off like a thundering herd. You know what I did there, um, to the, uh, Marshall marathon. So good luck. And I'm sure, uh, you know, a guy that would be happy to chime in a little bit here and there as needed, uh, as the training progresses. Question number two from Gary Joe, a brand recommendation for a good foam roller that I'm not going to have to mortgage my soul for is one brand better than another. Yeah. Or nah, nah, nah. Um, what I would, what I would look for is high density. So like I have just a plain, it's black, uh, three, three foot long, I think foam roller. I got it off Amazon. It was, I, I got it probably five years ago, six years ago. It's still practically perfect. Even though I, haven't used it as much as I should have, but I have used it. Um, and it's, you know, it'll last me forever. It was $18 or something like that. $19. Um, 
It doesn't have all the knobs and the bells and the whistles and the vibrators and this and that and the other that some of these fancy foam rollers have. I'm not saying that all that stuff isn't isn't mildly useful, but I don't think it's worth the the excess price. So get yourself a good high density foam roller. Um, I think, like I said, on Amazon it's like the Amazon Choice one, and it's and it's, it's like it's solid, um, which makes it hurt a little bit more, but also makes it effective. So. Uh, and it, it won't wear down. You know, you, you get some of the lower density ones, and if you if you use it, you really sit on them and, and dig into them. Like they start to compress, but you get that high density foam. It doesn't compress. It's good, um, and it shouldn't cost you. You know, whatever with inflation or what are we up to now? Twenty two dollars, something like that. Um, hopefully, you don't have to mortgage the soul for that. If you do, then just don't get the foam roller. But if you can if you can swing twenty twenty five dollars, maybe thirty dollars for a foam roller, which I can't imagine it's more than that. Um, that's all you need. You don't need to go much more than that unless you want to, but doesn't sound like you're wanting to. So I would say get the, get that high density foam roller, uh, and you'll be good to go. Last but not least the two parter. So the question three and four, uh, best gift you've received as an adult, best gift you've ever given as an adult. Oh man. I, you know, like I, I'm not the biggest fan of these, these best, worst, most least questions because I'll always forget something, right? Like I'm always going to be second guessing. Well, maybe it was this and maybe it was that. Um, but I'm not a big gift guy. Like that is that like if, if, if I do the love language quiz or whatever, like I score zero for gifts. Like I don't care about, like I like getting stuff, of course, but like I'll just get it for myself. Like I don't, I don't need fancy thoughtful gifts. Um, I certainly don't tend to give th- fancy thoughtful gifts. Um, like I'm, I'm a practical guy, which makes me a terrible gift giver. Um, because like, I'll give you something, like if you need something like, why I'll get it for you. If you don't, then like, okay, what's, what's the point? Um, which my wife loves me, but my wife loves me. Um, anyway, I, I, I'm racking my brain trying to think of the best gift I've given or received as an adult. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can think of some terrible gifts. I've gotten, I've received some terrible gifts, none from Rebecca, but I've received some terrible gifts as an adult. Um, best gift. I mean, it wasn't a Christmas gift, but maybe the best gift I got, I, I kind of got a car. Um, when, when Rebecca's grandfather was, was he hadn't passed, but like he was at a point where he had already decided he was going to give Rebecca the car, but she didn't need the car, but I needed the car. Uh, my car was a jalopy. Um, and it was, I don't think we would have been married yet, but we were engaged. Um, and it was just like, well, granddaddy's giving Rebecca the car. And she's like, well, you're going to have the car then. So, I mean, that was, that was a pretty awesome gift. Um, just because like, but it was practical, right? Like it was a good gift because it was practical. I needed, I, my car was, was a junker. Um, and it was, it was needed. And like the new car wasn't anything fancy. It was a freaking Honda Elantra, um, like it was, it was a, it was a nothing burger car, but it worked. It was functional. Um, you know, the door handles weren't broken. The, like there was no power, anything like, like it was crank windows, crank, you know, like, like, uh, crank locks or, you know, press locks. There was no like lock button. Um, but it got the job done and it, it, you know, rode that thing for four or five or eight years, something like that. I don't remember. Um, and so, so that was, that was a good gift. Uh, as far as gifts given, I don't know. Like, again, like I don't, I don't, I'm terrible at giving thoughtful gifts. Like, like you know, I've given practical gifts maybe. Um, I don't know. 
Um, can I can I take a pass? Can I can I you know, like gifts given as an adult? Um, trying to think of some of the things I've given Rebecca, the, like because like, we don't really do like we don't even do gifts for each other at Christmas time. Um, although we usually do, like I usually try to get her something, but we're usually not supposed to. Like it's usually agreed upon that we're not going to. Um, you know, like like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't give many gifts. Um, and, and when it comes to giving gifts for other people, like from us as a family, like that's all, that's all on her domain. That's all her thing. So I, I gave her a, um, I guess it's terrible. It's not even a good gift. I gave her a digital picture frame uh, a couple years ago for Christmas. Like here, you know, you're, you're teaching at school again now put this on the desk, you know, cause like she likes pictures and it, you know, does the Wi-Fi thing. And it took her, like she didn't unpack it until we got to Georgia and I gave it to her a year and a half ago. So I thought it was a pretty good gift. I thought it was something that, that she hadn't asked for, but that she would use. Um, clearly she didn't agree. So th- there you go. My, my best gift is one that it took her 18 months to open. Maybe that, that, t- that probably tells you everything you need to know about my, my quality as a gift giver. Or lack thereof. Uh, anyway, thanks for the questions, Gary Joe. Hope you have a great uh, new year and uh, a good start to 2023. Next, from my mom. My mom is chiming in, asking questions on the Q&A. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if we're going to continue to allow this, but we'll let it We'll let it happen this time. Uh, do you have any plans to landscape your new place in Georgia? Any special tr- plants or trees in mind? Uh, yeah, definitely going to do uh, you know some landscaping at some point. Um but it's not the highest priority right now, um, in large part because it's December. You know, we moved in, in in middle of August, so I guess we could have put a little bit of stuff in the ground and let it establish itself. Um, but that'll be that'll be a, a 2023, 2024 scenario more of. Um, also, like when it comes to backyard, like we're gonna get a fence at some point, so I don't want to waste too much time landscaping and then have to tear stuff out because we put a fence in, right? So. So it's, it's something that will probably happen eventually. will certainly happen eventually, uh, but we're not into the planning phases just yet in terms of figuring out what kind of plants or trees or things like that to, to add to the mix. I got a couple ideas, but uh, we're not there yet. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure, I'm sure mom, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll be, you'll, you'll hear about it at some point, or at least you'll see it if you ever stop by. So, you know, to be determined coming soon ish. Next from Elizabeth, as a coach, how do you get people who start with the go hard mindset to buy into the idea that running easy is good for us? The long-term growth is so valuable and it totally works, but it's a hard sell for some folks. Do some people just have to flame out or can we save them from the pain and injury? This question is part psychology, part running like most questions, like most coaching questions. Um, great, great question, Elizabeth. And, and I mean, I don't know, you know, like, like I think, I think that, if I'm, if I'm working with somebody or, or, or whatever, and they're so dug in on, I have to go hard all the time. Like, it's probably not going to be a good fit. We're probably not going to work too well together. And it's not like I try to force it. Um, but I'm like, you got to go easy. Got to go easy. I just kind of like broken record it. I was same thing I do on the podcast, right? Same things I do on, on YouTube when I'm talking about heart rate training is that like go easy is good for you. You'll get faster. Um, you'll get, you'll, you'll build your endurance, which allows you to race faster. Maybe not get faster, but race faster, you know, from start to finish of your race. Um, sometimes it's the proof is in the pudding, right? Like you show them, show them not just some of my progress, but like things that other people have done that, have, you know, here are their paces that they run when they're running easy. Here are what they do on race day. Um, 
But I think that 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 like anything, people just have to get to the point where they're they're ready to think differently, right? Like if you're if you're dug in about anything, if you're dug in about dietary things or faith things or um, clothing styles or whatever. I mean, like anything like music. I mean, whatever. If you're, if you're dug in, if you, as trivial as it may seem to other people, if you have your heels dug in about something, um, and you're not willing to entertain the possibility that there's other way, other, other options out there, at least that, that you would be willing to, to do another option. Um, you're not going to hear, you're not going to hear the arguments. It doesn't matter how reasoned they are. It doesn't matter how practical they are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you try to spin it, how you try to explain it, how you try to present it. Um, so I just kind of keep presenting it, try to keep presenting it, um, until somebody becomes open to it. Until somebody asks questions about it. Then we can dive into more of the details. Um, sometimes that is that you have to let them, you know, burn themselves out. You have to let them, uh, run themselves into the ground. Uh, and that sucks and that's hard. And like, you know, I, I, I try not to do that as a coach, but you know, just in general, like you can only, you can only go so far until somebody is, is, you know, ready to, to hear the message or ready to, to entertain the idea of, well, what if I do slow down? Um, and so, you know, when somebody's ready to have those conversations, then we have those conversations, but otherwise it's, it's, you know, sometimes you try to protect each, somebody from themselves. Um, but sometimes, sometimes they just have to experience it and it's, it's hard. Um, but I don't think there is an easy way to just get people to buy into it, especially when they're dug in on go hard or go home. You know, if I'm not, if I'm not hammering, I'm not getting anywhere. Um, but, but if I'm honest, I was that way, you know, not, not that long ago. I mean, it was a decade ago. Um, but I was like, let's go hard all the time. Let's nothing but speed workouts and tempo runs and pushing, you know, not hard, but not easy on every other run. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that once I started to really embrace heart rate training, um, I've basically had one injury that I don't even think was a, an overused training injury. It was my foot injury. And I think that was from being a little bit overly aggressive with some of the mobility work I was doing. I think I'd sprained a little something that way. Um, but I've had no, you know, no nagging injuries, no overuse injuries. Um, haven't really been, been felt burned out or anything like that. Um, I've run more, I've run faster races. Like I've, I like there's been no negatives, uh, in my running life that I can relate to heart rate training. Like everything's improved, but it took me to be burned out. It took me to be injured to figure that out. So I think sometimes you just kind of have to, you know, keep, keep leading the horse to the water and eventually they might drink. Um, you know, until, until somebody's ready to, to hear about heart rate training, you're not going to make any inroads there. And so I, I don't, I don't stress about it. I just do what I can. And eventually, you know, if it's going to click, it's going to click. So thanks for the question, Elizabeth. And, and the, the discussion that it spawned in the comments, we're not going to go through all of it, but, um, I'm right there with you about, uh, about David Goggins. Um, but maybe, maybe this new book is worth checking out. Maybe I need to give it a, give it a read. Um, because of some of the, the insights that, uh, some other folks mentioned about his heart rate training that I didn't think was really one of his things. So anyway, thank you for the question next from candy. Got a, 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 a Christmas triple from candy here. Question one, what is the difference of a minimalist shoe and a regular running shoe? So, uh, in general, basically it's just how much cushioning is in the sole of the shoe. 
Um, the minimal shoes tend to be little or no cushioning, minimal amount of cushioning. The the regular shoes tend to have a fair bit more. So um, sometimes the minimalist shoes, it's, it's like literally there's the tread and that's it. Um, sometimes there's a little bit more. There's there's real thin amounts of cushioning. But, but basically the, the less cushioning, the more minimalist the shoe tends to be. Uh, is one better for the joints than the other? Ah, now that is an interesting and very loaded question. Um, some would argue yes. Some would argue no. Some would argue that the minimalist shoe is better. Some would argue that the minimalist shoe is the worst thing you can do for your joints. Um, and that's a can of worms that you're opening here, Candy. But I think that that pretty widely accepted is that the more cushion that's in your shoe, the more you can kind of get away with some clunkier running, running form specifically with overstriding, which is a pretty common thing in, in a lot of runners, um, where, where you overstride, you, you, you kind of heel strike with your foot out in front of you. If you try to do that with a minimalist shoe, you won't, <laughs> it'll get your attention real quick. You'll be slamming that heel into the ground and you're like, well, this sucks. And so you start to shorten your stride, um, or at least land with your foot more underneath you. Maybe you extend your stride back beyond, beyond you a bit more. Um, but I think, I think that's where kind of the, the minimalist shoe craze came from is that it prevents you from, from overstriding and, and heel striking, which tends to cause a lot of problems in the shins and in the knees and in the hips and, and all these, these areas because of, of how the body is absorbing the force versus when you land with your foot more underneath your center of gravity, um, you have a better chance of absorbing it more in the muscles and the tissues versus in the tendons uh, versus, I'm sorry, in the bones and the joints, um, and the tendons and the muscles are designed to absorb that force and transfer that force and use the force to propel you forward. Kind of like a spring loading versus, you know, like, like, you know, hit a spring on the ground. That's what your muscles are like. It, it traps the, or it doesn't trap the energy, but it converts the energy to then spring forward versus if you're slamming into a, a straight leg, which you tend to do when you're overstriding, it's kind of like dropping a brick onto the ground. Like there's no, not a whole lot of energy transfer happening there. Um, so, you know, I think that, that, the general consensus is to wear the least amount of shoes that you can wear. So for some, that's a minimalist, some it's some type of moderate level shoe. Um, but the, the, the less cushioning between your foot and the ground in theory, it's better, but it's not necessarily better for your joints. It's better for, um, proprioception or it can be, um, it can be better for, for running form, running economy, things like that. Um, but ultimately if you've got a shoe that's working for you, stick with it. That's, that's always my, uh, MO when it comes to shoes. Finally, non-running related or non-related question to the shoes. Uh, no matter what I do, my hip is tight. How do I get it untight? Thanks. Um, I'm assuming you're doing some stretching and that's not really helping. And sometimes what happens, especially in the hip is that the, like the joint itself is kind of like, like inside where the, where the ball and the socket are connected and the, the, uh, labrum that's there. Um, it, it can, it can, not move as well inside the joint. So it's not a muscle flexibility issue. It's a joint mobility issue. And, uh, if you go back to episode 1047, it was, I don't know, April, May, something like that. I did a review as a quick tip on two books. Um, one is called how to be a better runner. I think is the title. And one of them is how to be a supple leopard, or maybe it's, I don't know, better, whatever. Go back to 10, 1047. Uh, the books are by, uh, Kelly Starrett, who's a, uh, uh, physical therapist. And, um, those are all about improving your mobility in your joints, not necessarily flexibility, like flexibility starts to come with it. But if you improve like the joint surfaces and their ability to glide and slide and things like that, 
um, you might find that that helps to loosen up your hip more than anything else. And there's some things that I've been working on and will be continuing to work on in the new year um, that are all related to that in terms of mobility versus flexibility, um, which they tend to be related, but they're not exactly the same. And so I think maybe, maybe, but at least potentially, if, if it's not a flexibility issue for you, but your hips are feeling tight, could be a, a hip mobility issue and doing some of the different uh, exercises and stretches and things like that, um, that work on joint caps and mobility could be helpful for you. So it's, it's a process, it's a slog, uh, but hopefully that might help you at least give you something to, to look at, think about. Um, so there you go. Thanks, Katie. All right. Next question from Barb. How much of an effect do stability shoes have versus neutral shoes? If you pronate and run in a neutral shoe, will you open yourself up to injury? Or if you don't need the stability, will you cause harm if you do run in one? So, uh, boy, this is this is uh, this is another one of those can of worm type of questions here, Barb. And um, I mean, the the fact of the matter is that there's 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 different I don't know levels of stability shoes. Some some are more quote unquote stable than others, um, but. You know, it, it kind of, gosh, I hate to do it, but here we go again. Get your, get your drinks ready. It depends. It depends. So, um, definitely there's an impact, right? Sometimes it's, it's somewhat structural in terms of like in the arch itself. Sometimes it's kind of the, the, the way the sole is shaped to try to, to reposition how your foot hits the ground, um, for the stability shooting, try to pr- protect against overpronation. But here's, here's a little known fact. Well, maybe a widely known fact. I don't know. Here's a fact. Everybody pronates, right? When you run, you pronate, period. Some people pronate more than others, but all of us, as we run, pronate. And yet, you know, when it comes to, to correcting that, are we, are we trying to correct for a problem? Are we trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist um, in most people? Are there some that absolutely need a stability shoe for various reasons because of muscle imbalances or prior injuries or just the way that their bones are, the pronation really does cause a problem? Absolutely. Is it as widespread as as we might think it is based on the sales of stability shoes? I don't know, but my hunch is that no. So I think most people, even if you go and get fitted and and they analyze your gait and like, gosh, you, you pronate a little bit. Here, let's get you a stability shoe. I think most people in general, would be just fine with neutral shoes because your body's going to do what it what it needs to do, right? Um, and when you start adding a stability shoe, when you start blocking what it comes natural for your body, you're 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 asking for trouble. So you know if 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 you're like ah you know I've been using these neutral shoes forever and they haven't been causing me a problem, but uh, you know like I went and got fitted or the, saw the the podiatrist like oh you really need a stability shoe. But you haven't had issues. Like, do you do you really need a stability shoe? Like, like I, I mean, I'm a I'm a fit eight broke don't fix it kind of guy, so I feel like probably not. Um, you know, w- will you be guaranteed to have an issue if you switch into a stability shoe when you don't need one? No, not necessarily. I've worn I've worn some stability shoes over the years, not because I've needed them, but sometimes because of uh, I was unaware that I was getting a stability shoe and didn't really have any issues. Uh, I think that that you can have somebody who maybe has been instability shoes. And if you run without them, like, I don't think that necessarily is going to cause problem, but anytime you're talking about impacting or altering or adjusting how your foot hits the ground, you got to remember that that means that your all of your biomechanics 
up the rest of your body are different. Even if your form is staying relatively the same, the, the way that everything's working together, muscles, bones, ligaments, joints, etc., like are going to be changed. So you start, you start playing with the different types of footwear. You're just taking a risk. I'm sorry, different types of footwear in terms of stability and neutral. You are elevating the risk that something somewhere is going to be not happy with it. Um, so, so my, my take is that unless you really, really, really need a stability shoe, unless your overpronation is excessive and you've tried neutral shoes and they're giving you a problem, um, or you're having a struggle and maybe you try the stability shoe to see if it helps to alleviate the issue. Um, I don't think it makes sense. I, I don't think most people that use stability shoes need stability shoes. I think they were sold them. And then you're like, well, they, you know, these, these are working. And if they're working, I mean, you know, keep on keeping on, but I don't know. I mean, I, I just think neutral shoes, let your body do what it does. Um, unless there's a problem you're correcting for is probably the way that I would encourage you to go. So I don't know if that has a, a, a direct answer for you there, Barb, but d- how much of an effect do stability shoes have? They have an effect. They have an effect because they change the way your foot hits the ground, which changes everything else. So sometimes it's a, it's a massive negative effect. Sometimes it's kind of a, there's just no real obvious effect, but it has an effect. Would it be detrimental to have pairs of both one stability shoe and one neutral shoe um, and rotate them? So, if I'm reading this correctly, would it, would it make sense to have, uh, at first I thought this said like one stability, like a stability shoe on your left and a neutral on your right. Um, but now maybe I'm reading that as just, you know, a pair of stability shoes and a pair of, of regulars or neutrals and, and rotate through them. Um, again, I don't think that's detrimental. And if you're going to transition, like if you've been using stability shoes for forever and you're like, well, maybe I don't need these stability shoes. I think that's a good way to, to ease into it. Because again, remember you, you take the stability away, whether you need it or not, and it's going to impact your biomechanics it's going to impact how your foot hits the ground which if you if you just went cold turkey you'd be you know from from the stability to the neutral um boy you know and, and you just kept on keeping on that could cause some problems so if you kind of ease into it rotate through and maybe that's a good way to to, to figure out if you really need the stability or not is if you're, you're kind of switching back and forth and and on the days that you wear one of the pairs of shoes, you notice that your body feels pretty good. On the other days, everything is a little bit more of a struggle and you're more sore and tired afterwards. Well, maybe that means that you need the support or that you don't need the support. So that could be a good way to kind of figure out how much you really need them um, and kind of go from there. But, you know, just pay attention to how you're, like, I feel like this is one of those scenarios where, like, let your body guide you, right? Like, let your, listen to your body. If you're feeling good, then, you know, maybe don't go looking for trouble. But if, if things are feeling off and you're trying to figure out what the issue is, then maybe it could be the stability shoes or the lack of stability shoes. And that could be something to, to play with a little bit and see if that doesn't make a, make a difference in how you're feeling. Hopefully somewhere in there, it helps and resonates with you, Barb and, and kind of makes sense going forward. Another one from Barb. Most race plans suggest that your longest run is short of your actual race distance, 20 miles for a marathon, 11 miles for a half. Does it make sense to train longer than that to have the endurance to finish strong? Absolutely. Absolutely with an asterisk. Okay. You don't necessarily need to, and especially for the marathon, because what what you have to start weighing are the pros and cons of that amount of time on your feet, that amount of wear and tear that that you're doing in any one training session and how long it's going to take to recover from that in order to continue your training. So, you know, if you go out for a 16 or 18 miler on a Saturday, maybe you kind of lay low on a Sunday and by Monday you're feeling pretty good or what, you know, whatever, however it fits into your, your training style. 
um, you know, then you're not really missing any training time. Sunday's your rest day, back back into the, the mix. But if you were to go out and do 22, 24, 26, 28, 30 miles, something like that, even at an easy pace, you know, maybe that takes you five, six, seven hours. And then what's the recovery like? How do you feel Monday morning? You know, do you need to take Sunday off and Monday off and Tuesday off and go for a walk Wednesday before you start to feel like yourself on Thursday? Well, then it starts to beg the question, was it worth it to go to 26 or 28 miles when it cost me four extra runs versus quote unquote, only going for 20 miles, but it didn't cost me any additional training miles. I'm not saying there's one or the other that's right. I've, I've done longer training runs, uh, not so much for the marathon, but definitely for the half, you know, for, for when I'm training for a half, when I was training for the celebration half, I was routinely running 15, 18, 20 miles for my long runs. Um, and I absolutely think it helps for that. Um, both in terms of having the endurance, but also just having the confidence of like when I was starting to feel tired at mile 11, cause I wasn't, you know, when I was training, of course, I wasn't at race pace for, for hardly any of those miles. Um, but you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling tired at mile 10, mile 11 on race day, and it's like, you start to wonder, it's like, well, hell, like, you know, three weeks ago I did an 18 miler like, and yeah, the effort wasn't as intense, but like, I've only got to go two more miles. Like I, I got this, I can go two more miles and you can dig deep and, and get it done. So I, I do think there's, there's a- absolutely a benefit to that. Um, especially for the shorter ish distance. And I, I recognize the ridiculousness of calling a, mar- a half marathon a shorter distance, but you know, training, you know, if you're getting serious about racing a 5k, do you only do your longest runs as two miles? Like, no, of course not. Right. Like, like you're going to do five milers, eight milers, maybe 10 milers, you know, same thing for the 10k. And I think the same thing is true for the half. I just think that you, st- you start getting out to 25, 28, 30 miles you start to have some diminishing returns on ter- and it just based on how long it takes to recover from that type of effort. Um, but I, you know, I mean, is 20 miles enough for a marathon? Sure. What about, you know, 23, 24? I think that works too. I think it depends on, on what your recovery system looks like. And, and here's something that you didn't ask Barb, but I'll, I'll answer, I'll, I'll throw this out there. Something I've been kicking around, uh, as a coach and I'm thinking I'm going to experiment with myself a little bit. I've, I've mentioned it to a few of my athletes as well is like, instead of worrying about going 20 miles or 22 or 24 for training for a marathon and what's your longest long run, maybe playing with the idea of doing some, some longer, uh, but not that long back to back, maybe medium ish back to back long runs. So maybe do 14 and 14, which gets you 28 miles in two days. So you're going longer, but you're not getting quite as much wear and tear, but you're getting maybe a little bit more mileage. You're getting time on your feet. You're getting that, that, you're, you're kind of working yourself on tired legs from the start for that second 14 miler or 12 miler or whatever it does. Um, and see if that doesn't give you not only the endurance, cause the endurance comes from just the, the accumulated miles in general, but kind of the mental endurance and the mental strength to keep pushing and finish strong. Cause I think, I think for me, at least that's what that long run trains the most is, is the mind to keep going, to keep grinding. Um, the miles come, you know, in chunks, six miles, eight miles, three miles, four miles, 12 miles, like those all work for the phys- physical, uh, and building the endurance, but the mental to gr- keep grinding when you get to 22, 23, 12, 11, you know, for the half marathon. Um, I think that there's something to be said about that. And that's just, you know, maybe there's a way to get there with multiple long ish runs, um, that never have you going into 22, 24, 28, 30 miles, or, you know, 15, 18 miles for the half. Uh, but still gets there. So I don't know. It's something to play with, something that I'm going to be playing with in the new year. Um, so I don't know if that would work for you, but it's a thought in, in addition to going longer than the actual race, which I absolutely think is fine 
especially for the half marathon and under. You start getting longer than that, and I still think it's okay, but I don't think it's maybe quite as valuable as stacking up some just some good solid weeks without as much recovery that would be necessitated by that longer long run. So hopefully that helps. One final one from Barb and one for fun. Did you put Christmas lights on the new house this year? I mean, no. Um, Similar to my gift giving Christmas decorating outside of the Christmas tree. I like putting up a Christmas tree. I like decorating a Christmas tree, but outside of that, meh, don't really care. Not, not, not something that's, that's on my list. Rebecca, Rebecca handles that. Uh, we, we put a couple wreaths out that had lights on them, like just lit wreaths basically on some of the windows. Um, we, you know, and that, uh, to me, that was, that was fine. So like to me, yeah, we, we decorated. Yeah. We put Christmas lights on, but did we, did we, you know, trim the, or, you know, did we, did we line the, the eaves and go around the windows and things like that? No. Do we have blowups? <laughs> Absolutely not. Will we ever have blowups? No. Will we have lights around the, 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 the eaves and the edge of the house and the windows at some point? I mean, I hope not, but maybe, um, to me, just simple, simple, classy, elegant, couple of wreaths with some, some lights on them, uh, that ticks the box as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, yes, ish, we put lights up, but not lights on the house, if that makes sense. So thanks for the questions, Barb. Hope you have a great start to the new year. Oh boy, here it comes. You knew, you knew we couldn't make it through a Q and a episode or at least too many months of Q and a episodes without Lewis chiming in about some, some scandal, some, some runner. Uh, what do I think about it? When, when we all know my answer is I don't think about it. So here we go. Here's Lewis's question this month. My man, what do you think of Diana Kipyoki losing her 2021 Boston marathon win and getting a six year ban for doping? Sounds good to me. Like, I don't, you know, I don't care, but like, if you're going to, if you're going to cheat and you get caught, yeah, like, you know, do the crime, do the time. Like, yeah, lose your, lose your title. Yeah. Be banned. Now you can't run for a while. I hope it was worth it. I mean, I hope, I hope that she cashed enough checks in that year, year and a half between winning and getting busted that it made up for it. Probably didn't. But I mean, I get, I get why I've said this before. I get why they roll the dice with it. And I mean, I don't know that I would, but I don't know that I wouldn't if I was up there having the opportunity to, to, you know, run one of those races and hopefully pass a test, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, she got caught. Banner. Yep, absolutely. Not not an issue with that at all. Um, also, what's your opinion on Bailey Quinn, New York City Marathon story? She says it's her first ever race, among other things. I have literally zero idea what you're talking about. Never heard of Bailey Quinn before. Um, so, sure, whatever. I don't know. I, I, I mean, like, literally, zero idea what you're talking about and zero care about what you're talking about. So I hope it was a good story. I hope it was factually true. Um, but I don't know. I don't know, but Merry Christmas, Lewis. Hope you had a, a good, a good Christmas. Hope you have a good start to the new year. My friend next back to, back to the Michaela wagon. Here we go. Got a question. Another one from Michaela. What are you most proud of this year in regard to the tribe? Look at you. Look at you coming with some good questions. Unlike M- melody, take notes, take notes. on Michaela's questions this month. If you're going to bring a bunch of questions, bring some brings. I mean, to be fair, Ms. Young did bring the cream egg question, which is maybe as as nonsensical as it gets, especially around the holidays. But you, you, if you're going to hassle me with cream egg questions around Easter, like I get it. I still don't appreciate them, but I get it. But you, you bring you bring Cadbury eggs into the discussion around Christmas cookie time. <sighs> Nonsense. Anyway, what are you most proud of this year in regard to the tribe? Um, 
I mean, I, I think I think what I'm most proud of this year, and I again, you know, back to the superlative questions, um, like Gary Joe with the best Christmas presents. Like I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like like off the top of my head, without putting too much thought and effort into into like going back through 363 days worth of of thoughts of things that I could be proud of and making sure I'm not missing anything. I think the thing that I'm most proud of this year is that I kind of fell off. You y'all probably noticed. Um, the daily Diz has become much less daily. Like it's like eh, the occasional Diz, um, and like I haven't posted any of the the the, the podcast, the, the Proverb Dell podcasts, in I don't know how long. Um, and and you know I, I think it's a testament to you all um, that I've kind of gone dark in large part because of the move and just at least I mean that's what I'm going to blame it on. That's my excuse. And we've been settled in now for a few months and I haven't gotten back on track there. Um, but y'all have kept it going, kept it vibrant, kept it, you know, Melody posting things and, and Bill posting his scene on the runs every day. Um, and, and Kelly's posted some, you know, fairly regularly. And, and I mean, there's just, there's too many people to, to name and I apologies for, for not mentioning everybody. Um, but Jackie and Chris, and like, there's so many folks that, that post regularly enough, um, that maybe me not posting as much and not, not starting as many conversations and things like that as I typically would, um, hopefully hasn't, hasn't been that big of a deal. And hopefully it's something that I'll remedy next year and get back on, on track and, and make sure I'm posting things regularly there. But, um, I think that's what I'm proud of is that, is that I feel like I felt like this for a while, but I feel like it's, it's really been evidenced this year. And especially these last six months of 2022, um, that this is, is our group, not my group. You know, like, like, like my name might be on the door, but you, you know, there's, there's many of you that have really taken ownership and, and you check in on each other and you're, you're, you're commenting on things and asking questions and supporting each other. And, and, um, that's why we're the best Facebook, best running group on Facebook, right? Or at least that's why we're, that's what we're working towards. And that, that says to me that we're on the right track. So that's what I'm proud of. Y'all, y'all keep, keep using the group. Uh, you know, don't be douches, obviously. Like I'll still police it as necessary. Um, but keep putting those questions in there. Keep, keep, you know, I like keep posting those zero dark thirties and, and, and I just, I mean, I, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that, that it really is as close to our group as I think it, it could be, you know, I'm, 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 I'm super proud of Rob a couple times this year, stepping, stepping to the plate and doing Friday fives when I wasn't going to be around or when I was going to be spotty internet or whatever. Uh, a couple of times he, 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 he did it. And like, you know, that's awesome. Like again, our group, not my group. And I think that's, I think that's what I'm most proud of. So thank you all. Kudos, kudos to, to, to y'all in the group, um, for really embracing it and carrying it for me a bit more this year than, uh, than, than have in the past. Uh, and hopefully I can be a little bit more equal contributor to some of the carrying of the group into 2023. Uh, next, another one from Mr. Walker. What are some things to consider when we're rebuilding one's base mileage after two to four weeks of minimal running? Um, so I, I think the biggest thing to maybe consider, the biggest thing that stands out to me from that question is that if you were living life for two to four weeks, you know, as in like you weren't bedridden, um, but you were, you know, just up and being active and doing things, but not really running. Um, I don't think there's much rebuilding that needs to be done. Like there, you know, will, will you notice maybe that there's a, you know, you're, you're sucking wind a little bit more, or, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit, but like, like I wouldn't, uh, things to consider are just like, eh, you know, 
maybe maybe kind of reverse taper it, you know, kind of ease into it for a week or two, and then you should be. I would be shocked if it took more than a week or two to feel like, all right, we're right back where we were, you know, like like there might be a little a, a little uh, you know m- minuscule crack in the base, but it's not like you, you, like rebuilding. I think is is the wrong visualization. It's like like refreshing, you know, in two to four weeks of minimal running, but still doing life. There's not there's not that much regression, you know, especially at two weeks. Like the early end of that two weeks, like I do nothing. Jump right back in, right back into whatever normal training has looked like for you. I would be pretty surprised if if you even skipped a beat. You get to four weeks of not really doing much running. Like, well, then all right, maybe take a week to kind of ease back into it. You know, maybe maybe two weeks and, and stagger it. So the first week you do like half of what you normally would, and the second week you do maybe three quarters, and then week three of getting back into it, boom, good good to go, good to go. And it may not even take that long. So I think you know that that type of break, a month or less of regular running, as close to a non-issue as it's going to be. So just kind of you know take it day by day, see how you're feeling, but don't feel like you need to put the brakes on too much. Don't go, don't be foolish and try to catch up. That's, that's the thing to consider. There we go. I talked myself into a, a good answer. Don't try to make up for what you missed. All right. So as long as, which I don't feel like you're doing that, you're talking about rebuilding your base, but like, I don't think you really need to do much rebuilding. Like I said, refresh it a little bit, sweep it, you know, maybe run the mop over the base and you'll be good to go. Uh, but don't try to make up for the miles you missed. Let those go. Pick up where you are. Ease back into it. Listen to your body over the course of a week, 10 days, two weeks, and you'll be right, right back to where you were before you took your break. Uh, hopefully, at least in theory. But that, that's my that's what I would consider there, Brian. Next, we got a question from Santina. And this is this is a danger question. Santina, you're trying to get me in trouble. I can, I can tell with your question. Maybe it wasn't intentional. But you're trying to get me in trouble with this question. So I will proceed with caution in hopes of not getting in trouble. And y'all, like, don't, like, I'm coming at this as gently as I can. Said, so give me a little grace, please. I'm asking for grace before I even read the question because that's how much of a troublesome question this one is. Here we go. Question from Santina. Weight and running faster. Does it make sense to shed a few pounds in the buildup to a new PR attempt if it can be done without negatively affecting health training by still, uh, by still making sure fueling is sufficient but maybe cutting out sweets and candy for an example? Oh, man. All right. So, like, from a physics equation, yeah, sure. Like, you know, if, if, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a, I'm going to throw out numbers that are in no way, shape or form relevant to anything. Okay. Like, well, well, I'll make them as ridiculous as possible. So there's no way you can try to say that I'm talking about you or anyone like you or anything like that. Santina or anyone, right? Like how much effort does it take to move, you know, a 40 pound bag of dog food that you get at the store? Versus three weeks later, when your dog's eating half of the dog food, how much effort does it take to move 20 pounds of, of dog food, right? Like, like it takes less effort. It's, it's, it's less demanding when the weight is a little bit less, right? So from a physics perspective, if you weigh X and you, and, and like all of us, like me, like you, like just about everybody, you know, you've got, you've got whatever, a few pounds, five pounds, 10 pounds, whatever of, of excess body fat that's you know, 20 pounds, hundred, like whatever you got a little bit of excess weight that, that you could, you could shed and it's going to make, you know, the amount of effort required to go 5k, 10k, 21k, 42k, whatever. It's going to make that a little bit easier, right? That said, and, and where this gets sticky 
is is to the second part of your question, which is the really the important part, Santina, is that you have to be able to do it strategically, intelligently, cautiously, because if you try to drop weight, even just a few pounds, but it could be, you know, as much or as little as you might think would be helpful while also training for a race and putting in the wear and tear and the miles and the effort and the training to get there. Um, and then you're not fueling your body adequately to create the calorie deficit that helps to lead to the weight loss. Uh, you can be setting yourself up for all kinds of problems, right? So it's, it's a real slippery slope to try to lose weight while, um, training for a race. And I think, I think that maybe if I can, if I can adequately thread this needle and avoid stepping on the third rail, I think that, that the last line of your question is, is maybe where you, where the focus is best put. And the last line being making sure fueling is sufficient, but maybe cutting out sweets and candy, for example. So like, instead of worrying about trying to shed a few pounds, lose a little bit of weight, whatever, hit a certain goal weight by race day. Maybe the answer is when you're, when you're in that, that 10, 12 weeks of, of serious training for this goal race, try to be as, as I don't want to say disciplined, but what, where can you be as on point as possible with your diet? And not saying that you can't still indulge a little bit. You can't have a glass of wine or you can't, or you shouldn't have a piece of chocolate or this, like whatever, like whatever, still live your life. Right. But like, yeah, if you can cut out some sweets, if you can, if you can cut out some of the junk food that, and I'm not saying junk food in a bad way, but like, we know what we're talking about here. Like we're not talking about fruits and veg and and like quote unquote healthy food, but like candies, sweets, desserts, things like that. If you can maybe try to limit those a little bit. Or, or, you know, kind of get rid of some of the more over-processed food for some of the more real food. Um, that whether or not you end up losing a pound or two or three or five or whatever, like you're giving your body better fuel going in, which is has a, a decent likelihood of giving it better output coming out, or stronger output, cleaner output, cleaner fuel, right? Um, and and if you and if if you do that you're still fueling your body. Well, you're still giving your body all the nutrition it needs to stay healthy, to do the repair work necessary for the workouts, et cetera, et cetera. You might find that, that you end up losing a couple pounds without even trying, which is kind of optimal, right? Like potentially optimal at least, um, in this scenario. So, you know, I, I think that, I think that, that, yeah, from a purely physiological or from a purely physics standpoint, like, yeah, shedding a few pounds is going to, is, is going to make it easier relative to run faster over a longer distance. I mean, that's just, that's just the, the physics of the equation. Um, but how you get there is, is tricky and, and it can have very disastrous impacts of, of trying to diet while still training for a big goal race. So you have to be very careful. Um, and like I said, that's where maybe focusing on quality fuel and, and, a reduction in some of the, the empty calories maybe is the best is, is a way to do it. And if I was going to try to do something like that, that's the way I would try to do it. So I don't know. I don't know how many people I just offended, how many, how many third wires I stepped on there. Um, but thanks for setting me up for a disaster type of question, Santina. Uh, I appreciate it. Danka, uh, hopefully makes sense and, and something that, um, you know, you, you can, you can take, take my answer with some grace and see what the point I'm trying to make and tie it into your situation. 
and get that PR. So thank you for the question, Milady. Have a great time in Fiji. He says knowing that she's going to Fiji. <laughs> Finally, last but not least, thankfully, Tom got in here underneath the cut um, with the Tom trifecta. It wouldn't be a Q&A without a Tom trifecta. I don't know. I, I don't know how far back we'd have to go without getting three questions from Tom. But I can tell you it's, it's, it's a long way. We'd have to go a long way back. We almost didn't get the Tom trifecta this month but because uh, we're recording early. Holidays, you know, got to do what you got to do. But Tom slipped in. So we'll, we'll finish off today with the Tom trifecta. First question from Tom. And this is, this, is a, this is one to chew on a bit here. But I like the question, Tom. I, you've been thinking, and I like it. I've been thinking about nutrition and running. If you eat a gel or whatever your nutrition is based on distance, then you will eat the same number of gels at pace A versus pace B. If you eat gels based on time, say every 30 minutes, you will eat more gels or fewer gels depending on your overall pace. How should one choose when to take gels during a race? I love this question, Tom. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, because I think, I think it's, you know, one of the, one of the things that will derail a race faster than anything else is GI issues. Right. And I, I'm comfortable saying that a relatively major cause, maybe not the biggest cause, but a relatively common cause of GI issues over the course of a race is fueling is potentially putting in too much fuel. Um, and by the time you get to the later stages of a race, especially if you're talking marathon or longer, you put in too many gels too early, uh, your body just kind of starts to reject it and says, no more of this nonsense. Now, I would argue that at mile one, no more of this gel nonsense is, is the right way of going about things. But that's just my personal preference. you know. You, and you covered yourself with glory by saying, or other nutrition. So, um, you know, w- when it comes to, to fueling, like underfueling is a problem, but overfueling is quite often a problem as well. So how do you, how do you kind of figure it out? And you're totally right. Your logic is absolutely spot on. And I think I would go for time. I think I would go for time because, you know, the, the, always everybody talks about don't ever do anything in, on race day that you haven't done on, on in training, which I think is nonsense when you really break it down. I mean, I think it's good advice in theory, but I think the practice is, is poor because if you're training intelligently, you're not training at race intensity in training, right? You're training easy. You're doing your long ones. You might do some segments. You might do some, some marathon goal pace miles or whatever, but like you're not doing 26 point. If we're talking about a marathon, you're not doing 26.2 miles at goal pace in training. Like hopefully not, hopefully not, you know, back to, to Elizabeth's question. Maybe some people are, they're going to be struggling. Uh, but, but most of us are not going to be doing that on race day or on training day. So then like, Oh, well I took, I took six gels over the course of you know, my, my three and a half hour, 20 miler. Um, so I think, you know, if I just, you know, if I took one every three miles, well, like to your point, you know, on race day, you're going to be going a minute, two minutes per mile faster potentially than you did on, you know, every, every three miles. So now you're taking, you know, the, the first gel, maybe it doesn't matter. You're taking it at, you know, if, if we're going to say for number sake of numbers, if, if you're running 10 minute pace on, on your easy days, eight minute pace on race day, so, you know, you're taking your first, your first gel after three miles, 24 minutes in instead of at 30 minutes, eh, you know, whatever, no, no big deal. Um, but as you multiply that out at every three miles is six minutes faster. Well, by the time you get to what, by the time you get to mile 15, so you're taking your fifth gel, that's, that's 30 minutes. That's like taking, you know, 
an extra gel on training day. And eventually that has a chance to, has a, a high likelihood of catching up to you. So I think, I think if you do it on time, if you're taking it every 30 minutes in training, um, I wouldn't take it more than every 30 minutes on race day. I would also say that maybe every 30 minutes is, is a bit overkill. Um, you know, uh, at least depending on how many calories you're taking in, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, that's something to kind of figure out and play with on your own. Um, and, and, and to think about how many calories you really need, but, but whatever, you know, that, that's not, that's not the point of the question. I think, I think you've been thinking well, and I think the, the, the question is spot on. And, and I think maybe, um, worrying about time, you know, whether it's every 30 minutes, every 45 minutes, whatever works for you. Um, but worrying about the time spacing over the distance spacing, um, because yeah, you might take more, you might take less on race day, but you're still going to be giving your body fuel, right? You're still gonna be giving it hopefully what it needs and your risk of overdoing it goes down. Um, and you're probably not going to be underdoing it because you know, you're, you're, you are still fueling. It's not like you're not fueling. It's not like you're taking longer in between fueling breaks. Like I like, I like the calculus of taking it at a time base instead of at a distance base give yourself a little wiggle room. You know, if you're going to take it every 30 minutes and you get to the third, the third block. So it's 90 minutes and there's a water stop at, you know, 80, 88 minutes, like maybe take it down then so you can splash it down with a drink of water. Right. Um, but in general, I would focus more on, on that side of, of the equation of, of the, the time duration. Um, I think that'll give you a less likelihood of, of a sour stomach due to too much fueling, uh, on race day. So hopefully that makes sense, Tom. I like where your head's at. I think it's something to play with. Uh, but I think maybe you're onto something there for yourself and for everyone. So good, very good question. I appreciate you, sir. Speaking of good questions, the second one is a questionable. The third one, terrible, uh, typical Tom trifecta situation. So Tom's second question, you miss 100% of the chances you do not take. I agree. I agree. Yes. Have you thought about setting a goal of running a BQ in the next one or two years? You might surprise yourself. Um, this is one of those questions, Tom, that I feel like it makes total sense. I, I see where you're coming from. I see where you're trying to go. I don't disagree with the premise, but I don't think I'm going to surprise myself with a 48 minute mar- marathon BQ in the next year. Um, I mean, maybe like, like you're, it's, it's hard to know, right? It's hard to say definitively, like, no, that's not going to work out because, um, you know, unless I, unless I really get after it, give it everything I've got, like commit to the process and, and go hammer, like you won't know. You know, I'm not taking the, taking the chance. I'm not taking the shot. Um, so you're right. You're right. Like hundred percent. I'm not going to get it if I don't try. Uh, and I might just surprise myself yet. The, the rational part of my brain says that the odds of me jumping from whatever my PR is now, three hours and 56 minutes, three hours and 58 minutes, something like that to a sub three ten in a year or two, like, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I would say that the amount of effort and work that would have to go into that to even make it possible is a level that I'm just quite frankly, I'm not going to commit to for the next year or 18 months or 24 months or whatever. Like I'm just not like, I want to get to Boston. I want to qualify for Boston. Absolutely. I'm not giving up on that. I'm not wavering on that, but am I, am I willing to kind of put everything else in theory, everything else on hold for two years when it would still be a massive leap to get there. Like, I, no, no, I'm not, like, I'm not even gonna waver. Like, no, I'm not. Um, now does that mean that, that, um, 
I couldn't make some serious progress in two years and then, you know, start to be able to look at it and go, all right, well now I'm, you know, in two years, two years and, and a month, I'll be 43. So then I'll be staring, you know, starting to get a little bit closer to that 45. And, and all of a sudden then I think my, my time is like 320. Well then, then maybe, then maybe. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's time to, I think, I think to your point, or at least to the point to what I'm taking from your question or my point for your question, Tom, because, because I feel like we're at the point where, where I can, I can decide what your point is. Um, maybe it's time to put my foot on the gas a little bit. Like maybe, you know, now that we're settling into the new house, um, and, and kind of life has, has had a big, big, you know, big course correction with the move and all that kind of nonsense. But now we're settled in a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe it's time to get a little more serious about it and, and really go after it and see what happens. And maybe not with a goal of, of a BQ in the next race, because like, like, I mean, I just think I'd be setting myself up for disaster to try to run whatever half marathon pace, uh, half marathon PR pace. That was like, I was spent at the end of it and feel like I'm going to just lock into that for the whole way. Like, yeah. Um, but maybe really give it a go for, you know, a three, three forty. you know, try to try to knock 15, 18 minutes off. Um, and then see, you know, like take a couple big swings and see what happens. And, and then maybe all of a sudden, then I'm at more of a spot where I could mentally give myself a shot. You know, like you can say, you can miss all the, all the chances you don't take, but like, I don't think I have a chance. So like right there mentally, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to commit. Right. Um, so yeah, you're right that I could, I, I do think that if I really, you know, trained up and gave it hell for a marathon that I would potentially surprise myself at how much of an improvement I could make. Um, the thing is, you know, and kind of going back to, um, previous to, to Thessaly's question, you know, my, my rational brain goes, well, if I, if I run a three thirty-five or a three forty-five, um, so what, like, I'm still not in a BQ. Um, it's PR either way. So like, I'll just run three forty-five, or I'll run the three fifty. Like, like, like that part of my brain is like, well, what, who even like, what, what does it matter if I run a three thirty-five? Like if that's the best I could do right now, which I think is probably, is a reach, but I think it's probably doable. Um, but that'd be like a 20 minute PR. That's, that's freaking huge, right? Like that's, that's, that's beasting it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I could surprise myself. So I think to the point, uh, but I don't think I could surprise myself enough to get a BQ just yet, but who knows? Stay tuned. We'll see. Maybe all this running on the Hills will help me. You know, if I find a race that doesn't have all the Hills, but I've been training on all the Hills, maybe, maybe, I don't know. TBD, but I appreciate you making me think a little bit, question myself, and maybe uh, push myself in the not-too-distant future, Tom. Last but not least, Tom's typical nonsense question to close out the, trifi- the trifecta. Bows of holly, question mark. I always thought it was cows and holly, which is correct. Tom, if you really thought it was deck the halls with cows and holly, like, really? You can't You can't be serious and thinking that that's what you... And saying that, I mean, if you did, like, whatever, you know, we all have those random song lyrics that like somehow they clicked wrong and they're just uh, ridiculous. Like we all have them, you know, mine is mine is from an Alanis Morissette song, um, that I'm not even going to admit how ridiculous it is, but it's terrible. But I was, I was locked in that that's what it was like, like locked in. Um, and it wasn't, <laughs> and I'm kind of ridiculous for saying that. Um, so yeah, you know, if you had thought it was cows and holly, it, it was, it's bows of bows of holly, not cows and holly. Um, that it's definitely bows of Holly, like definitely like not even a question. Um, but I'll forgive you for not having it right for however many years it took to, to be 
oriented correctly now that it is indeed deck the halls with boughs of holly. Um, you're welcome. So I guess Chris Short's nonsense question was actually useful. Whew. There's there's a statement I never thought I would mutter in the history of Q&A episodes that Chris Short asked a nonsense question that was actually helpful for other people. And yet here we are. Happy New Year, everybody. Great, uh, great episode. Long episode. I guess you're welcome slash thank you slash I'm sorry slash whatever. You did this to yourselves because you all asked the questions. I just answered what was put before me. So there you go. Uh, y'all, thanks for the thanks for, for this episode. Um, let's wrap it up, shall we? What did I get right? What did I get wrong? That's how we wrap these episodes up. Let me know. At Nizruns on Twitter, at Nizruns on Instagram. What question did you like? Which of Melody's or Chris's nonsense questions were you just like, yeah, that was ridiculous? Uh, what, what, what is still not clear? What can I help you out with? Uh, let me know. At Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. Said that already, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, Dizruns at gmail.com if you want to send me an email. Um, or, you know, as always, head over to show notes for this episode. Too many thought, too much time and effort gone into memes, gifs, etc. But it amuses me. So if you want to be amused or roll your eyes or both. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 1113 for today's show notes. I'll get you back to the, the blog post, I guess, or show notes, whatever you want to call it. There's that comment section down at the bottom. Feel free to ask Eric. Leave me some feedback on the episode there. If you have a question for, you know, January, February, March, whatever, whatever the next month is, we're going to do this again. Good Lord willing. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook will get you in the Facebook group and uh, look out for that post sometime middle of the month. It says, what are your questions this month? And then, uh, you know, do your best or your worst. Um, and that's, you know, then that's how we end up with cows of holly. So there you go. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the attention. Hope that 2022 has been an all right year for you. Hope that however 2022 has been, hope that 2023 is even better. Have yourselves a happy new year. See you out there virtually for the uh, fat ass. And uh, until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Later, y'all.